0: Want to be a part of the conversation? Then let us know on the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at TNTradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's News Talk, TNT Radio.
1: You're with Misty Winston on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. TNT.
2: Well, hey there, and welcome to the Misty Winston Show right here on today's News Talk. Thank you, as always, for tuning in to hang out with me. I appreciate Um, y'all. So listen, hey, uh, don't forget to head over to the TNT website. It's tntradio.live. Check out the shop. So much cool merch and gear and swag and whatever the cool kids are calling it these days. I don't know. I am no longer a cool kid. So um, whatever they're using for uh, that term, uh, go get you some. Uh, Their shirts, hoodies, hats, posters, pet gear, you name it, something for everybody. Uh so head over there, check out the shop and also while you're over there, please consider uh, uh clicking on the donate button uh and helping us uh pursue the truth here at TNT as we've been doing Uh, since day one. Very rare to find uh, an outlet that offers free speech on all issues and allows us to speak um, and cover these things in a real way. So head over there, uh, get you some swag to support TNT out in public, and then uh, click on the donate button and help us out in that way as well. Um, Also, um, I just wanted to bring this to your attention. So you guys know I love uh, AntiWar.com and Dave DeCamp. Um, I love everybody at AntiWar.com. They are fantastic. Uh, This is from a couple days ago. I meant to uh, cover it yesterday, and then I got distracted because that's what I do. Um, but uh, so Dave has a great article out from February 13th over at antiwar.com that I think is pretty revealing. And it is Netanyahu rejects hostage deal drawn up by Mossad, Shinbet and IDF. Uh, it says Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu rejected an outline for a potential hostage deal with Hamas that was drawn up by Israel's Mossad spy agency, the Shinbet. Uh, security Agency and the Israeli Defense Forces. According to the Times of Israel, the proposal was put together by Mossad Chief David Barnea, Shin Bet Chief uh, Ronan Barr, and Major General Nitzan alan uh, an IDF officer in charge of intelligence efforts to find Israeli hostages in Gaza. Details of the outline are unclear, but it was likely a response to Hamas's recent counteroffer for a 135-day truce to facilitate the release of Israeli hostages and Palestinian prisoners and a permanent ceasefire. The proposal was was discussed with Netanyahu several times, including during a preparatory meeting for hostage deal talks in Egypt that were held on Tuesday and attended b- by Barnea, uh, CIA Chief William Burns, Qatari uh, Prime Minister Mohammed bin, oh, I'm going to butcher this, Abdurulman Al tani God, I'm so sorry. I'm so bad at these. Uh, and Egyptian officials. Uh, the Times report said Na- Netanyahu declined to present the new outline for a hostage deal at the talks and told Barnea to quote unquote only listen and not put forward any new ideas netanyahu publicly rejected hamas's latest offer and said quote unquote total victory was the only option for israel Um, And he is now preparing an invasion of Rafah, According to President Biden, the deal that's been on the table involves a six-week truce, but it's unclear if Hamas is receptive to the idea. A Hamas official speaking to AFP signaled the Palestinian group was still looking for a permanent ceasefire, saying Hamas was awaiting the outcome of the Cairo talks and was, quote, open to discussing any initiative that uh, achieves an end to aggression and war, end quote. And here's why I think that this is revealing. Uh, Everybody keeps talking about, um, bring them home. It's all about the hostages. It's not about the hostages hostages. Um it's never been about the hostages. Uh the hostages are and we've seen this is this is not me making this up. We have seen this take place um on camera there has been uh, uh parents of some uh, parents and family members of some of the people who are being held hostage who have confronted the Israeli government because they are fine with letting them just uh hang out in Gaza and um uh th- there's been uh riots at certain meetings and things like that where they have been um uh, very forcefully speaking their opinion on that we've seen a couple of them uh, a couple of IDF affiliated people try to <laughs> convince Other parents and family members of hostages that um, their family members' lives are worth um, uh, sacrificing for the greater good of Israel. And there were some fights that took place over that situation. Uh, Netanyahu has been very clear that he doesn't really care all that much about the hostages. Um, uh, So it's never been about that, y'all. This has always been about uh obliterating palestine it's always been about taking over the land it's always been about the genocide the ethnic cleansing all of that um and uh so it that i i just think that that's a very revealing um position that he's taking and we're i mean even the biden administration is privately um <laughs> Panicking Because Netanyahu is very clearly um, unhinged and always has been. Uh, and I think that, uh, you know, he's not, uh, I think that this is more for him. I think it has a lot to do with the genocide, the power grab, the land grab. It also has to do with maintaining power. He knows that once this war, it's not a war, once this war is over, he's out he knows that. And so uh, I think that he is trying desperately to uh, continue this for as long as humanly possible so that he can maintain power and control. Um, And so uh, just be mindful of that as these conversations are going on. I think that there's a lot of uh, conversations currently happening in Egypt um, about the Sinai Desert and how they can potentially do refugee camps there and things like that. So um, every time I hear somebody say, bring them home, I'm like, that's not that's not the thing. That's not what we're doing here. So uh, just wanted to bring that to your attention. And please go check out Dave DeCamp over at antiwar.com. Um, they all do fantastic work. Kyle, Scott, Connor, everybody over there does great work. So check them out. Um, okay, don't forget you can follow me over on the tweeters at sarcasmstardust. Check out the substack, mistywinston.substack.com. There's a write-up for the guest of the day every day with links so that you can find, follow, and support their work as well. And shoot me an email Misty Winson at tntradio.live. Guest idea, show idea. I'm working on a couple of uh, ones that I've gotten this past week, so thank you for those. Um, or if you just have a question or a comment, rant, whatever, just hit me up and I will try to get back to you. And hey, last December, Julian Assange's two-day public hearing was announced for February 20th and 21st at the UK High Court to determine whether Julian will have permission to appeal or whether he will be extradited to the United States. TNT will be at the Royal Court of Justice broadcasting and covering the entire two days. Uh, then TNT will broadcast from various locations throughout London. Also, the premiere of The Trustfall, Julian Assange, will be at Rio Cinemas on Sunday, this Sunday, um, February 18th at 1 p.m. The film will be followed by a panel discussion and Q&A with Tariq Ali, Christian Harafsnan, uh, and uh, Stella Assange, I think. Um, so to find out more about that, we have the director of that film on the show today but to find out more go uh, to google and search for the trust fall julian assange london premiere we are lighting the fuse for freedom right here at today's news talk tnt
1: the latest headlines waiting for you i follow the news pretty much throughout the day today's news talk radio tnt
2: all right according to the wall street journal the u.s state department is (laughs) investigating israel for Potentially misusing weapons provided by the United States in its indiscriminate bombing of civilians and the use of white phosphorus in Lebanon. Here with the story, joining me now is TNT News producer Adam Clark, aka Ruckus. Potentially, Adam, <laughs> that makes me giggle, that word. <laughs> wow,
3: well, I mean, it's not like there's a bunch of videos and photos and, you know, in your face. Right? What do they call that? What's that word? It starts with the E, evidence. That's right. Evidence. What's that? Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, um, yeah, it's been a long time coming, uh, I guess, better late than never. Uh, I'm going to borrow heavily here from uh, an article up today, uh, courtesy of Zero Hedge, who says that throughout the months long, brutal Israeli bombing campaign against Gaza and the accompanying ground assault, President Biden has been consistent in refusing calls, including within Congress, to impose conditions on U.S. supplied weaponry, used by israel (sighs) already at least one european country and nato member has halted weapons supply transfers to israel on fears they could be used for war crimes or to violate palestinians human rights Well, good on them, Uh, but all eyes remain on Washington, which remains the Israeli military's biggest supplier of deadly arms and munitions by far, paid for by you, the taxpayer, in case you didn't know. Uh, Is the Biden administration finally about to change course or is it more of the same premature signaling for the sake of calming an international and domestic audiences concern? Well, we have a new report from the Wall Street Journal. I'm a quote from them who says, that the U.S. is investigating several Israeli airstrikes in Gaza that killed dozens of civilians and the possible use of Israel by white phosphorus in Lebanon as part of a probe by the State Department to determine whether America's closest ally has misused its bombs and missiles to kill civilians. That is what U.S. officials told The Wall Street Journal. Uh, Furthermore, from Zero Hedge, they say that the U.S. would begin to look at alleged white phosphorus use in Lebanon comes very late. Given that as early as mid-October, Human Rights Watch said it verified videos of the internationally banned munition in use by Israeli forces. Indeed, I believe I reported that right here on TNT. Uh, However, Human Rights Watch noted at the time that white phosphorus can be used, quote, either for marking, signaling and obscuring or as a weapon to set fires that burn people and objects, end quote. Yeah, this stuff's pretty nasty. Uh, Israel has rejected the allegations that it is using, quote, unquote, illegal munitions. And the Biden administration has no surprise here thus far been content with the denials or else has just shrugged off the reports. This was on display. Just last year in an October appearance by National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan on NBC News' Meet the Press. Here's what Sullivan said about all of this at the time. Quote, I have seen the reports of that. The IDF has actually come out and said that said they were not using phosphorus bombs. I'm not going to sit here and draw red lines. I was asked this same question at the White House podium a few days ago, and I said, you know, it's not my job in public to draw red lines. End quote. Ah, that's right. <laughs> All the colors. Uh, the White House, speaking of colors, has maintained this policy ever since. However, last week, President Biden for the first time sharply criticized Israel's military campaign as, quote, over the top, end quote, leading to some serious confusion given that the U.S. is arming this very operation. Uh, In a response from Israeli's prime minister, B.B. Benjamin Netanyahu, he said, quote, I don't know what I don't know exactly what he meant, Biden, by that, but put yourself in Israel's shoes. We were attacked, unprovoked attack, murderous attack on October 7th. Quote, I think we've responded in a way that goes after the terrorists and tries to minimize the civilian population in which the terrorists embed themselves and use them as human shields end quote uh that might be a misprint uh despite the quote-unquote over-the-top remark which seems an outlier ta- talking point from the administration biden has remained supportive of israel's quote-unquote counter-terror mission but what's clear is that he's feeling the pressure headed into aha november's election uh in the Wild, wall street journal's report which was yesterday on um, wednesday the 14th of fe- uh, february Uh, It details another strike which has come under U.S. scrutiny as follows, quoting from The Wall Street Journal, quote, one attack the State Department is currently investigating is an October 31st airstrike on the densely populated Jabalia refugee camp near Gaza City that killed more than 125 people according to U.S. officials, end quote. So, yep, there we go. See, this just this proves something, Misty. I think this, like, we, we've talked about this many times. I hear Patrick Henningsen mention this all the time. It's the media's job to report on these things, and then when they do, we see action afterwards. See how that works, people? And then when we see the, mo- the media, the mainstream, being completely silent, nothing changes. Isn't that weird how that works? But what do you think?
2: I think I hate Benjamin Netanyahu with a deep passion. This guy, um, I think we responded in a way that goes after the terrorists and tries to minimize this. In what way, my dude? (laughs) You have literally been bombing hospitals, schools, refugee camps, desecrating cemeteries. I mean, seriously. And then, of course, of course, he has to use the word unprovoked. I just, it's, it's mind blowing to me that anybody is still buying into that crap. I almost lost it there. <laughs> it is mind-blowing to me. Unprovoked? Really? Uh, how many hundreds of Palestinians were killed uh, in the West Bank in 2023 prior to October 7th? How many um, thousands of Palestinians are kidnapped every single year and held in indefinite detention under a completely separate legal system? Including, by the way, hundreds of children who are held in prisons um, with no charge, no cause, no anything, um, and no way to get out, no recourse. Uh, I mean, we don't have to go back through the whole deal. This is not, this is like the least unprovoked attack I think I've ever seen in the history of ever. Um, Not to say, again, uh, not to say that I love that Hamas was kind of brought to that point. I don't like it. I'm anti-war, period. I'm anti-violence, period. I think it sucks. I think it really sucks when civilians get caught in the crossfire uh, of this garbage. But let's just be perfectly clear. This is on Israel, period. And it's just so, it's so frustrating to me that this guy comes out here and is able Able to uh you know prance around i mean mainstream media loves him he's uh, he's uh, th- they interview him all the time and then you have Tucker Carlson interview Vladimir Putin once and everybody loses their mind but Netanyahu is on every major uh network he he's welcome to the white house he's welcome to i mean it's just it's so frustrating to me to watch this. And yeah, I think that, I, frankly, I'm a, I'm cynical, obviously, um, if you haven't caught on to that by now. But I don't think that the United States is actually going to do a legitimate investigation and hold Israel to account. I think that this is nothing more than election year pandering. They know the writings on the wall. They see the millions of people in the streets um, uh, in support of Palestine. They recognize that Biden's poll numbers are in the toilet. And a lot of that has to do with his handling of the situation in Gaza. So they're going to do an investigation, and they're going to make it look as if they're doing something. Maybe they'll send him a strongly worded letter asking him to cut it out, as Hillary Clinton might say. Uh, But I have no faith whatsoever that they're going to hold Benjamin Netanyahu to account or, um, you know, take any of the aid or uh, weapons away from him. I just don't see that happening. But what do you think, Adam?
3: I think there's a bigger elephant in the room, and I I failed to mention this part. So um, I'll just quickly mention that for another inquiry, according to the Wall Street Journal report. Uh, Documents that, quote, weapons investigators suspect that Israel used a 2000 pound bomb in the strike. Okay, no big deal, right? But furthermore, quote, which could have been provided by the United States, the United Nations Human Rights Office said that the strike killed a large number of civilians and could be a war crime. This is called cover your ass. Because mm-hmm. the last thing the United States needs, no matter who's in charge, is to be accused of participating in war crimes, and that could go all the way down to the each individual taxpayer. Uh, if your your money was used to, you know, contribute to a war crime, think about that for a second. So, I think they're just getting ready, just in case, you know, all, they might yeah. be ready to throw Biden under the bus and say hey, we didn't do it; it was his fault. We can prove it. Uh, don't worry, he's going to fall down a set of stairs real soon.
2: Yeah. <laughs> right and with the icj case um and the uh, the deeper look from uh, on the world uh, the world population at israel on the war crimes I think that for sure they're uh, trying to cover themselves. And, um, you know, they've been questioned, are you concerned that you could be potentially held responsible for committing war crimes? And they look a little nervous when they get asked that question, as they should, because they're definitely a party to war crimes. There's no question about it. So thanks for bringing us the story, Adam. We will talk to you again tomorrow. As always, hang tight. We're going to be back right here on today's News Talk.
1: TNT's Chris Smith is a time for Joe to go. Now we've asked this on a number of occasions over the past couple of years. As a matter of fact, we were asking it before the last election. However, Friday's special prosecutor's comments from that report on the president's memory lapses, including the fact that he didn't know when he became VP or even ended being VP moving into being president, inspired a burst of, well, age and mental related commentary. I think that's a polite way to put it. They jumped on him and it puts a big red fat circle around what I've been telling you is the paramount dilemma facing voters for this election in November. How can we possibly put such a lame duck elderly man back into the White House for four more years? I would have thought nine months is far too long. And that's what he's got to go. Chris Smith on today's News Talk TNT. While
0: serving in Vietnam, a grenade took my ability to see. Today, I'm a sculptor creating new visions. Now, my fingers are my eyes. As a veteran, I know the challenges of life can be great. In my art, turning a lump of clay into something beautiful, that means a lot to me. Life is like that. We each must use what we can to make things better.
1: DAV helps veterans like Michael get the benefits they've earned. They help more than a million veterans every year in life-changing ways.
0: Now, I show others how they can create something with their own hands. With support from DAV, more veterans can shape their lives into a thing of beauty. My victory is bringing beauty into the world.
1: Michael Naranjo. May your victories inspire many more. Support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. We don't rock. 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 We talk. talk. Today's News Talk, TNT Radio.
2: Yeah, but I also rock. I mean, come on, let's be real. Okay, Uh, our guest today is a return guest, uh, Kim Staten. Kim is a singer, songwriter, and performer, and he is also an award-winning film director. And uh, he actually just directed um, the film The Trust Fall, Julian Assange, which is uh, an examination of the meaning and significance of the insights that WikiLeaks shared with the world, uh, the resulting behavior of the governments involved, and the extraordinary personal risks taken by Assange, the wider fundamental issues around press freedom uh, that affect all of us and our right to know. You can follow Kim on on Twitter at Staten. It's S T A T O N K Y M J. Uh, and you can also check out the film at the trustfall doc on Twitter and then also at the trustfall.org. Kim, welcome back to the show.
4: Thanks for having me, Misty. How are you?
2: Yeah. I'm um, very well, it's good to have you back. It's good to um, uh, be talking to you about the film. I know that um, it's been doing very well. You've had a, a I think a couple different premieres and you of course have the one coming up in London, um, that I'm very excited about. And again, just want to give a thank you to TNT for um, uh, sponsoring that for supporting that. Uh, so tell us about the premiere that you have coming up on on Sunday.
4: Yeah, it's great to have the support of TNT radio for this event. It's the London and the UK premiere this Sunday, the 18th of February, 1pm at uh, Rio Cinemas, Dalston. And we have on the panel, uh, an incredible panel. I'm so honored that these people took the time, especially with what's going on right now. Um, Stella Assange, Tariq Ali and uh, Kristen Hrabinson, the editor-in-chief of WikiLeaks on the panel
2: yeah it is a really uh fantastic panel i'm glad that stella um is going to be there obviously she's the probably the single most important voice on the assange front right now um and i just recently had gabriel shipton on the show uh i know that he he and john will not be getting into london until the 19th so they won't be able to attend are you also going to be in london for the hearings on the 20th and the 21st
4: yeah my partner natalia our co-producer of the film and i will be on a plane this afternoon
2: Excellent. Yeah. Uh, The, the court dates that are coming up next week. um, I am, I find myself getting uh, increasingly anxious. Um, Every time I think about it, my heart gets a little tight and my palms start to sweat a little bit. This really is uh, kind of the last hurrah. It's the last, it's kind of the Hail Mary pass, if you will, if I can use a sports analogy. Um, It is kind of the Hail Mary pass. This, this really is Um, The final opportunity, I think, for Julian to prevent extradition to the United States. What do you think about that? I mean, to me, it's insane, Kim. And I know that in making this film, you've learned, and you were already a supporter of Assange and WikiLeaks, so you already, you know, kind of knew the ins and outs of it. But I'm sure making the film gave you a whole new insight uh, into the ridiculousness of what is happening to him and the way that they're going about it and what they've been able to get away with. Um, And to me, it's just, it's, it's insane and almost unbelievable that we we've reached this point what do you think about this
4: yeah you could be right misty i mean it's just it's dragged on for so long so many years this extradition hearing um, there's been so many uh, instances of of travesty of justice of of arbitrariness and this uh application to appeal it could be his last chance the the scary thing about it is that if they deny the applic- if they deny the appeal he could be on a plane to the us literally on Wednesday Uh, and it seems like the best outcome is that they allow the appeal and then he's stuck in uh, Belmarsh hellhole for another six months while they drag on through another appeal.
2: I know. And that's what is um I think causing me so much anxiety is that it doesn't really matter which way it goes. I mean it does, but it doesn't because it th- this resolves nothing really. It either um further drags it out uh in terms of him remaining in Belmarsh for at least 6 months. I think that the they I honestly think that they would probably try to drag it out through the US election. I think that that's probably uh they want to get through that election uh before they do anything, but uh either way it drags it out for um either he remains in Belmarsh for who knows how long or he's brought to the united states and held in uh alexandria virginia for who knows how long and it is just so frustrating to me and i mean the idea we spoke to when we spoke to gabriel um we we talked about the idea that he has had to apply this this is crazy to me he's had to apply for permission to attend his own hearing which is nuts to me that he has to even ask permission to be able to be there in person. Uh Gabriel said that he had made the application, that they hadn't heard anything back. I actually asked Stella today, um, and she said they still haven't heard anything yet. So they we still we still don't even know if he's going to be permitted to uh be in person in the courtroom on the 20th and the 21st. And he may have to once again uh you know Skype in via video link to attend the hearing for his life. And it's just I think that just speaks to the again the insanity of how he's been treated throughout this whole process right
4: yeah that's absolutely ridiculous i mean it it reminds me of the beginning of the extradition trial when they kept him in a glass dock at the back of the court a room with a little slot between the glass and to talk to his lawyers he had to kneel down and talk in this through this little slot and the lawyers had to stand on tippy toes and then all of the opposing side could hear what they were saying that was one of the things early on in the production of this film that just struck me it was just sort of a canary in the coal mine of of injustice and uh you know one of the things that we actually animated in the film to to sort of because we couldn't film in the courtroom so to depict that uh that that scene of um, unfairness uh, and and you know it, in a courtroom each side should be equally armed so uh, you know there's it's there's just many many examples of where they're just trampling over the justice system
2: yeah and at the the number of times that his human rights have been violated and uh, just the way that he's been treated i mean we could there's a laundry list of them i mean for example he wasn't uh they were they wouldn't give him reading glasses they gave him a laptop with the keys glued down i don't know what purpose that serves um there was a couple a few winters ago i think it was incredibly cold in Belmarsh. she asked for his winter clothes which they had which tella had delivered um and they wouldn't give them to him and he was like insulating his window with books and uh freezing um he's essentially held in solitary confinement he i mean it, we could just go on and on and on on about all of the horrific ways that he's been treated over the course of this whole situation. Um, And watching that play out on the world stage in broad daylight, they're not hiding it. It's very bizarre to me that more people are not angry about it. But I think that that's just really because they've done such a good job of um, doing all of this kind of behind closed doors. Mainstream media doesn't cover it. Most people have no idea what's going on. So it's just very frustrating to watch all of this play out. So listen, we gotta take a quick break. We're we're gonna get some headlines. Hang tight. We're gonna be right back here on TNT.
0: TNT Radio News.
3: We are, we are your station for news. News for TNT. This is James O'Neill. NATO Secretary General Jan Stoltenberg expressed his expectation for the U.S. Congress to allocate additional funding for Ukraine to combat Russia, highlighting the challenges Kiev faces due to insufficient military support. Prime Minister Bishy Sunak criticized the intimidation of MPs by aggressive mobs. Referencing an incident where a conservative MP Tobias Elwood was advised by police to stay away from his family home due to a protest by pro-Palestinian demonstrators. On
2: air and on the app. I
3: listen on
1: the app. Stay up to date around the clock. I listen, therefore I know. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT.
2: All right, we are here joined by director Kim Staten who uh is uh, just recently directed the film The Trust Fall Julian Assange. Um I would highly recommend everybody go and check out the trailer. You can find it on YouTube. Obviously, you can find links to it on Kim's Twitter page, the uh the the film's Twitter page. Also, there is a link to that included on my Substack for today. Um uh but the trailer is uh brilliant. I think it does a great job. Obviously, I haven't seen the film yet, but I think it does a great job of kind of summarizing uh, the situation and i love that you opened it with um you know kind of a a, a brief version of that famous montage of all of the, rel- uh, the the different world leaders hillary clinton um uh joe biden um uh, all of them talking about uh julian assange and how he's a high tech terrorist and you know can't we just drone the guy and all of that stuff and um uh i think that that really kind of hammers home <laughs> how How many incredibly powerful people Julian Assange made angry? And that is really what this boils down to, is that he went up against the most powerful people on Earth, uh, and they don't like their secrets exposed. And um, I wanted to ask you, has there... In making the film, obviously, um, just from my previous talk with you, I know that you were uh, a fan of WikiLeaks and a reader of WikiLeaks and all of that stuff prior to making the film. But in making the film, was there anything that surprised you? Were there any uh, any conversations you had with anybody or any uh, new bit of information that you learned that was surprising to you?
4: Yeah, plenty. Where shall I start? Well, uh, one really fascinating anecdote that came out of the blue was one day somebody on Facebook, random person just messaged me and said, uh, you know, I live in Lismore. I've got these photos of Julian when he's eight years old. And she sent me these photos and they they actually uh, made it to the film. They're in the first, um, the second minute of the film. The three photos of Julian when he's eight years old, pulling different faces. He's obviously having a bit of a joke. and um, But they're beautiful photos. And uh, And so she was saying that, Uh, At the time, she was working with Christine, Julian's mother. They were working on a puppet show, touring it around Australia. And he would come over, Christine would come over with Julian to to have a cup of tea and work and whatever. And and her boy would play with Julian. So, they were playmates. Anyway, one day she asked Julian, what are you going to be when you grow up? And he said, I'm going to end corruption in the world. (laughs) and that just really struck me i mean most kids say i'm going to be superman or or a fireman or i used to say i want to be tall that you know (laughs) but here's julian i'm going to end corruption have you ever heard that from a kid you know that that's really precocious and uh, so i think that's just fascinating um and then look the really big on the other end of this the emotional scale the really shocking thing that we discovered in this film and you know, when we got started with the production, I was really hoping I had my fingers crossed that we would come across something. Somebody would give us something interesting because we can't film Julian. So we're relying on archive footage. Uh, people would donate to us or that we would come across and wading through hours and hours of interviews and things. Anyway, when we interviewed Kristen Raffinson at the uh, WikiLeaks office in London at after the interview, and uh, he said, we've got this footage of interviews with the victims of collateral murder incident would you like to have a look and maybe you can put it in the film um and uh, of course you know it sounded interesting and and relevant because i knew we were going to have the collateral murder incident as the core of the film being that that's the most embarrassing sort of uh, disclosure that uh, the u.s wants to hide away and keep under the carpet And also it's the most shocking for people to watch if they've never seen it. So it took months before they uh, found the footage and sort of got organized and gave it to us. And then we sat down one morning and opened the files. And there's an interview with Sayed Mutashar, who's uh, a boy, 10 years old at the time, who was in the van that was shot up where his father was killed. And the only reason sayed and his sister survived was because their dad threw his body over the top of them to protect them from the rain of bullets so this interview is uh somebody well the wikileaks team Kristen and uh, his colleague went went to new baghdad to talk to them uh, a few days before the collateral murder release to do the due diligence and somebody went in to to interview the boy uh, a local um, because they thought it would be, they'd be more comfortable with someone that speaks, um, the language. And, and so the boy sitting on the couch and explaining what happened. Um, and it's, it's incredibly emotional. The boy starts to cry. Um, and then, uh, after a, a minute or two talking, he, he, the, the interviewer asks, um, what did they do to you? What did the U S soldiers do to you? And he lifts up his shirt and shows the wounds so and then he looks stares at the camera and um it's really powerful stuff it makes people cry even men cry watching this and it's so powerful and it's never been seen before for some strange reason the the mainstream media or no media really put this out A, a few people have seen this other clip that we showed as well where the family are watching the footage they're crowded around a little laptop in the video store um, yeah. That one's been seen a little bit and probably still floating around, but this this footage has not been seen. And so uh, it was so um, uh, serendipitous that we would get access to it, insert it into the film, into the collateral murder chapter, and give it that uh, emotional impact so that people can feel upset and feel impelled to do something.
2: And that's, I think, so important because I feel like um, at least in the United States, that's all I can speak to. That's where I live. That's my experience. But in the United States, I feel like we're so disconnected from the reality of war. We're so I think that they learned quite a bit from Vietnam and uh, they don't show us the we see the bombs when they go off. Right, we don't see when they land. We don't see the body bags of soldiers coming home anymore. They don't show us that stuff anymore because I think they recognize that that um, you know uh, it makes people angry and it makes people want to fight against uh, these war situations. And so I think that the United States, uh, the population of the United States, has become so disconnected from. Uh, the consequence of war. And uh, that's very powerful. And also, um, uh, Ethan McCord, who was one of the soldiers who actually uh, helped to save those two children um, after the attack. He's uh, you, if you watch the film, you can see the guy carrying the little girl. Um, he has spoken about this numerous times, and the damage it's done to him as well, psychologically and emotionally, having been involved without having to see the things that he saw. Um, so I think it's it's so important to make those connections and to see, um, uh, you know, uh, what it what it really is. And collateral murder, if and I'm sure I'm sure that everybody listening to TNT has already seen the collateral murder video. If you have not by chance, don't feel bad about it. It's uh, I mean it's not you shouldn't feel bad about it. But also if you have family members who haven't seen it yet um show it to them and i think you'd be surprised how
4: few people have seen it you know it's um, yeah uh i think we you know those of us that that have some interest in politics and uh and wikileaks and so on like and 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 just a general sort of connection to news and alternative news we've seen it many many times but yeah we we just forget that other people just have no access at all to alternative news sources and i would estimate that it's less than 5% Five percent of the world have seen that video, and For so sure. uh, it's so beneficial to have it on a big screen. Can you imagine uh, on a on a massive cinema screen the impact of that? That's that's one of the things we wanted to do, and yeah. and you know seeing audiences react to this, looking down the aisle and seeing, uh, you know, we're getting full houses of hundreds of people coming to these um, screenings, and to look down it's the aisle and see see people um, bawling their eyes out. Uh, that that tells me that this film could really um, change things.
2: 100%. And you're absolutely right. I mean, the TNT audience, I think, is very dialed in. I think for sure that most people have seen it who are listening or watching this, uh, but they're, they probably for sure have family members who haven't seen it yet. And I think more importantly, Kim, maybe you'll agree with this more importantly than seeing it. I think hearing it is even more powerful hearing the uh, the blasé attitude of the soldiers in the Apache helicopter, it sounds like they're playing a video game. It sounds like they're, you know, just playing some game. It's not a big deal. Oh, that's what they get for bringing a gun to a... I don't even know what they say. It's just horrific the way that they are just yeah, so... They,
4: look, it's hammered into my brain because we had to edit it. So I watched it about 200 times and they say oh, things God. like, good shooting, nice. Uh ha ha, yeah. look at that look at those dead bastards so yeah you're exactly right there's two parts of this one is the the you know the war crime that's that we're watching that they're shooting uh, civilians and journalists holding cameras that are not holding guns but are holding cameras and the other side is their attitude and how callous and how careless they are and they even think that it's funny so that's Uh, You know, that's really a powerful, sickening part of it. And they're swearing and it's it's just disgusting. Oh,
2: I remember what they say now. They shouldn't have brought kids to a gunfight. They didn't bring kids to a gunfight. The guy was just like traveling along the road, happened to see a massacre and stopped to render aid and then ended up dying himself. And his kids were gravely injured. So, yeah. okay. listen, we got to take another quick break. Hang tight. We're going to be right back here on today's News Talk.
0: Deweaponizing weather with reality and perspective. I'm sure you've been following Mark Morano and of course the climate trial of the century where Dr. Michael Mann was suing Mark Stein. In any case, that is going to the jury. Now, there are a couple of things that have popped up in this trial which are very interesting. First of all, out of the 22 possibilities for this so-called hockey stick, only two of them showed the hockey stick. Both of those were fudging the hockey stick. And what did I mean by fudging? Well, they claim that the medieval warm period did not exist, which if Dr. Mann was actually a meteorologist and looked at the weather, he should know that you can't just have regionalized warming in one area of the world. If it's warm in one area of the world, it's going to be warm in other areas of the world. I think I've explained this before. Now, another thing is that there's some interesting things coming out that may open Dr. Mann up to be sued, especially by Dr. Judith Curry. Now, I've always wondered why Dr. Curry did not go after Michael Mann because he has really said some disgusting things about her, including spreading false rumors about her sex life. So there were a whole bunch of little other things that came out, don't know what the jury's gonna do, seems pretty obvious to a normal human being that Mark Stein did not cause Michael Mann any damage given 12 years later Michael Mann is a prince among all these climate change people that think that the earth is burning up. This is TNT climate and weather watchdog meteorologist Joe Bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you've got. Life doesn't always give you time to change the outcome. Prediabetes does. One in three adults has pre-diabetes, but with early diagnosis, pre-diabetes can be reversed. And you can change the outcome. Take the one-minute pre-diabetes risk test today. Go to doihaveprediabetes.org. Cutting through the clutter, this is the Misty Winston Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT.
2: We are here joined by Kim Staton, who is the director of the film, The Trust Fall, Julian Assange, which has its London premiere on Sunday. Um, it is uh, going to be a great uh, opportunity to see the film. And then also there will be a Q&A uh, with uh, Tariq Ali, uh, Kristen Hrafton, and, and Stella Assange. Um, obviously, Stella is Julian Assange's wife, mother of his two young sons. Um, it's very cool that she's going to be there for the Q&A session, um, you know, just two days before the, uh, the new hearings start up. So um, uh, definitely check that out. Go and see it if you are able to. Um, so, uh, Kim, I wanted to ask you too, obviously um, you're dealing with, Uh, a small team trying to get this thing you know going around the 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 globe and everything um do you have any plans i know that on the most recent gofundme update you said please only uh, offer it to theaters and new zealand and australia do you know when or if it will be coming to the united states
4: absolutely yeah um you know it's taken we we released the film theatrically on the 28th of december so it's Almost two months now that it's been out in Australia, New Zealand, and it's really taking off its building and growing. Um, we had no advertising budget to start with. So we just put it out and it was word of mouth. Um, now we're starting to get uh, some, some box office coming in so we can start to advertise, which is actually so exciting for me. Like, just imagine this. In London this week, 100,000 people are seeing that trailer with captions on their Facebook feed yeah like that's that amazing. to me is just really uh, it just it just really gives me a buzz because you know the film of course two hours sitting in a cinema on a big screen with a live audience is incredibly powerful but to get that massive reach or even just a short little message about julian's situation is so important i've seen that in other campaigns that i've done how effective that can be um but yeah two months we've been out in australia There's currently, and and New Zealand. uh, So we've got 80 cinemas across Australia and New Zealand showing the film. It's about 10% of the market, which is a really good start. And the really exciting development over the last just a week ago is that uh, the two largest cinema chains in Australasia are going to be showing the film from the 6th of March, event cinemas and village cinemas, which is to me just a miracle for them. You know, very establishment uh, companies to show a highly political film. I don't know how that happened. It must be somebody (laughs) on the board. Uh, They must have had (laughs) arguments, you know. I don't know what they did to get that over the line. It just seems like everything has worked our way, like the the classification to have to have the film get an M rating in Australia so that um, 15 and 16 year olds could be allowed to see it and not to scare off the grandmas and grandpas from watching it because we all thought it would get an R. But it didn't even get an MA MA fifteen plus. It got M. Uh, it's it's fantastic, and in New Zealand, it's just uh, classified exempt. So it's everything has just happened so smoothly, uh, and now we're in the position where we are releasing it in the UK. This is you can call this a scoop if you like, because this hasn't really been released yet. Uh, this news, but we will be releasing it in uh, UK cinemas on the fifteenth of March. So we have nice. the top. The top documentary PR person on the job. Um, everything's ramping up, and uh, there'll be heaps of press over the next coming weeks. And uh, if it's uh, if the uptake from cinemas is anything like Australia, it's going to be all over uh, England, Ireland, and Scotland um, uh, through through mid March onwards. Um, and and then to to answer your question, the US. Uh, probably is the next cab off the rank and why are we not doing it now well one because we only have uh, eight eight staff on our team which is a very small team for what we're trying to do Um, limited advertising funds and uh, and also you know uh, we also trying to build up the box office results here because if a big chain in uh america decides to just run it then we can you know overnight get it get it to uh, half a million people overnight if that happens and so having a box office, office office result um could really grease the wheels for that
2: for sure yeah and listen the united states is a massive market <laughs> there's it's a lot so uh i understand why again you have a tiny team i'm sure it's incredibly difficult to try to get something like this going and off the ground i can't even imagine i mean it's, well i've just uh, hired
4: two two new staff Um, to handle it because we just we couldn't keep up with it and the interest is there and the results are there so it's fantastic to have this opportunity to hire more people uh and and we'll we'll keep doing that if we need to so uh, everything about this is actually just uh accelerating and building in a sort of exponential way even our socials are just blowing up i mean it's um it, it feels like we're we're just riding a wave at the moment and anything's possible
2: well, that's amazing to hear because I think, as you just mentioned, uh, I think, I, I, again, I haven't seen the film, but I um, uh, have I'm spoken gonna to you. I'm going to send it to
4: you straight away after this. I'm going to okay. send you a private screen. Yes, I, 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 I would I, love I, that. I didn't realize I hadn't sent you one. But these days I've been sending them to any any interviews beforehand because it's uh, yeah, it's good for you to see what 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 it is we're dealing with. Yeah, I yeah. would
2: love to see it for sure. But I mean, I think that you said earlier that this has the potential, even just the trailer being seen by that many people, just having Assange's name be heard is so beneficial because it's been such a taboo subject. Uh, mainstream press doesn't cover it. And so a lot of people are completely unfamiliar. In my experience as an activist who's been doing this for a little while, um, uh, either people kind of know who he is. He's that WikiLeaks guy, right? Or they've never heard of him them they don't have a clue who he is so uh just having the trailer in front of that many people uh it can really swing the needle yeah Uh, you know let me me tell you something
4: that we did um after we made the draft of the trailer and we we really fussed over the trailer because uh, you know i've I've been in the doco industry for for a decade and i know how important the trailer is we just fussed over it so much and when we thought it was pretty much ready we took it down to our local market at byron bay where near where i live um, and and we, uh, our editor, Endra, and I walked around and talked to people and we had an iPad and headphones. And uh, it was astonishing that what we found was that uh, 25% of people had no idea who Julian Assange was. And then yep. of the people that did know, which is the remaining 75%, uh, only a quarter of them knew what was going on. Yeah. And it just reinforces my whole sort of, mission anyway which was uh let's raise more awareness um you know it's important to have petitions and letters to mps and rallies and things uh but this has to reach critical mass and education is the way to do it you know julian said himself i believe that you know the way to justice is through education that's what wikileaks was was education and uh there's more more awareness that needs to be done and and so you know putting out the trailer through advertising and then having people that are willing to look into it to spend 2 hours having that really intense powerful experience um is is really going to change things if we can get keep continue to pump it out
2: yeah for sure and listen i 100% agree with you i think that awareness is um, easily the most important thing that we need to be doing right now, because um, that's my exp- that's pretty much my experience too. That most people are only either vaguely aware of him, or they don't have a clue in the world who he is. They have no idea what's going on. Um, and you even sa- on the and I love that you put this on the website too. Uh, again, it's thetrustfall.org. Go check it out. You can find more information about the film. You can uh, donate to the GoFundMe. All of that stuff. But you have on here: Assange will not be saved by the law. He will be saved by the actions of the public. And I've been saying that for years. I just had Gabriel Shipton on the show recently uh, earlier this uh, week um, and I asked him about that as well and um, I think I think most people who are involved in this situation agree that uh, the courts are very obviously corrupt they are very obviously co-opted they yeah. are very obviously not on the side of justice right um, let me, and let me only tell you thing... this
4: line line of Tariq Ali in the film which you're gonna yeah. love and and this is it's incredible when people watch this documentary they laugh and they applaud in the middle of it I've never seen that but anyway Tariq Ali has this line, which is it's pretty much the only line in the film that, that people laugh at because it is so well said. He's such a uh, charismatic guy. And he says, uh, what the UK judiciary showed us is that by and large, these judges are genetically bent. <laughs> and the, the whole cinema cracks up at that point. It just yeah. sort of breaks the ice um you know and yeah it's it's so true and and that that's it's just it just stinks of corruption all the way through a lot of them
2: yes and uh declassified uk actually matt canard did a great job of um he's got one of those like spider web graphs where you yeah. can see how all of the different people are connected to each other and there's all these yeah. nefarious dealings we were are got, going. we were, on were thinking of scenes. putting that up
4: in the film like yeah. we were really looking closely at it but then I thought, mm, I'm going to make a lot of enemies if I put this up. You know, I'm, I'll get sued every other day.
2: <laughs> Maybe. So, yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. I
4: mean, it's, yeah. it's already edgy enough and it's got classified information in the film and all these documents come up on the screen. So, you know, but but putting their faces up there and, uh, you know, we yeah, we, we could get ourselves into a lot of um, uh, difficulties and hurdles doing that. But, yeah. that And it could it, also it, make it, it a little convoluted. Revealing.
2: Yeah, it could yeah, make it yeah, a little, like, it. it's a little. It would take if you don't, a good
4: 15 minutes to explain it. And,
3: explain yeah. it, yeah.
2: Especially for the uninitiated people who don't know who Judge Vanessa Bratzer is, or who, you know what I mean? Like, it would be difficult for people who aren't aware of the situation and the names of the players involved. People, you might lose people a little bit there, where it gets kind of too deep into yeah. the woods. And I'm sure that yeah, that's hard. Yeah. Like, I can't imagine. I uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Juan Passarelli. He's a friend of Julian. Yeah, well, he, he
4: was the advisor on the film. Yeah, yeah you'll I, see him in the I credit. love him
2: i love him so much he's going to actually be on the show um uh following tuesday and wednesday he's going to be here on the show uh i know because because jennifer
4: asked you know for for a document she asked me to recommend a documentary and i recommended his and so they're going to show that yeah yeah Hulan's fantastic i mean he was such a help i I call him the encyclopedia of wikileaks uh
3: he's like a (laughs) walking
4: encyclopedia he provided us so many so much great you know photos footage uh documents And and just all around lovely guy, so so positive and encouraging.
2: Yes, and he his documentary is fantastic. The way that that's why I brought it up is that um, when I spoke to him when his first when his film first came out, um, I have severe ADHD. I don't know if I could do what you do. I don't know the editing process. I think would kill me. I don't know how I could like focus in on how to like guide think guide the storyline and i have so much respect for uh, for you and other people who are able to do that because this is not an easy story to tell right it is very um it's very simple in that um a journalist is being persecuted for publishing the truth and that's not okay but it is i mean it's over a decade it's 14 years now nearly of of, of story and of um you know the smear campaign and all of those things that you have to contend with and i'm sure that it's very difficult to kind of try to Um, you know, bring in information, keep it interesting, keep it educational and informative, keep it clear for people so that you're not losing them, that they're not getting overwhelmed with information. I mean, I'm sure that that is just uh, an insane process. So uh, I look forward to seeing it for sure. Who are some of the people that you included? I know that Roger Waters is in there, as you said, Tariq Ali is in there. Um, Who are some of the other people that you spoke with uh, throughout the film?
4: Yeah, yeah. The um narration is Roger Waters, Tom Morello, MIA, and Susan Sarandon, and then a voiceover artist, Jonathan uh, Oldham from Australia. Uh, and then uh, the, the interviewees, um, there's 23 of them. Uh, <laughs> it was, you know, as you know, this, this campaign is just flush with incredibly insightful, intelligent people. So we were just yeah. spoiled for choice. Um, and, uh, you know, we did interview daniel ellsberg at his home in san fran before he passed away and he was so generous with his time he spent two hours talking to us in his backyard and um said some really insightful powerful stuff and i'm really sorry he didn't get to see the finished film uh but his family have um and then uh john pilger i i'm pretty sure i don't know 100 but i think it our interview with him might be the last interview that was ever filmed with John Pilger. And he was um, uncharacteristically very relaxed, very placid, but he says these really um, profound moving things. You know, one of the things he says at the end of the health chapter, because the film is sorted into chapters a bit like a short, a collection of short films. That's how we sort of um, cut through all the complication and keep, keep people focused. And, uh, at the end of the health chapter where we have Jill Stein um, from Doctors for Assange uh, laying out and and uh, Paul Perez-Sales, the, the Spanish uh, psycho- uh, psychologist that went in to visit Julian in the prison with Nils Melser. So that we have them laying out all of this uh, detail of all the suffering that Julian's endured with his health and his mental health. And then right at the end of the chapter, you have... Uh, a morph of julian's face over a 10-year period showing how he's aged so much uh, yeah. looking so fresh and then and and youthful and energetic and then looking so um uh, bedraggled and and uh and tired stressed. yeah and, yeah. and tired, every time yeah. I every,
2: we haven't seen him in a while but every time i see him i think man he looks tired i mean he just looks yeah worn down and obviously i don't yeah. know how anybody could go through what he's gone through and not be uh i don't know how anybody could go what he's gone through and, uh, go gone through and uh, survive it i mean it's just uh yeah. endlessly yeah. well that's what john Pilger says
4: that's yeah, one of the things terrible. john Pilger says like i, I can't imagine uh, i try yeah. to imagine but i can't imagine what you it would can't. be like and then no, at the end of that, that chapter he says uh in other countries you could do away with someone much more quickly but here it can't happen like that. But the persecution of Assange has been a long, slow form of killing somebody.
2: Yeah, it's, it's an execution in slow motion. There's no question about it. Listen, we're out of time, I'm so sorry, uh, but thank you so much for coming on the show. Everybody, please go to thetrustfall.org, check out the film, uh, donate, support, share with your friends, all of that good stuff. Uh, I will be back tomorrow with al Almazi, and as Julian Assange says, learn, challenge, act now, and don't go anywhere. Timothy Shays after this here on today's News Talk.